The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Delighted to be here tonight. Um, um, I've been coming here for many, many years as a practitioner, and tonight I'm a newbie in this seat. It's the first time I'm giving a talk here. So I tell you this so that you cut me some slack. You said you... <laughs> first you said your expectations right, and, and then cut me slack. So, so given that I'm a newbie, I, who else shares being a newbie? Not, not here giving a talk, I hope. Well, otherwise, maybe there was a mix-up. But, but here for the first time. Yeah, one person, two, three. Great. Oh, okay. Great. Welcome. 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 So, actually, let's just take a moment to say hello to the people around you and just say your name and, and where you're coming from. Especially as we have new people, let's welcome them in. Introduce yourself to at least a couple of people, please. Okay, great. Welcome, especially for the new people. It's nice to feel welcomed. Everybody's silent and not talking, so. Um, so, um, so the topic of tonight's talk is... Um, is uh, Saint Meta's Day. If you haven't noticed yet, if you haven't noticed yet, Saint Valentine's Day is is a week from tonight. Yep. Has anyone not noticed that? You know, all. It, sorry, I just broke the news to you. I apologize. You know, card. Yeah, cards everywhere. Hallmark greetings and um, and ads on TV and radio and everywhere, so it's kind of hard to get away from it. So, so um, I figured we would, we would talk about metta tonight, since, since there are a lot of reminders in the coming week as you go shopping at grocery stores and here and there, you'll see chocolates and roses and everything everywhere. It's a great reminder to practice metta. So actually, speaking of, of, of Valentine's Day, so how many people have a positive attitude about it, that, oh, it's an opportunity to, to share love and give gifts. Okay, great, cool, okay. How many people have a negative attitude towards it? It's a Hallmark reading, and, uh, okay, all right, okay, cool, all right. Yeah, any other attitudes I haven't mentioned? Neutral. Neutral, oh, how could I forget that? Thank you. Neutral attitudes? Yeah, a few neutralers, yeah, great, okay, cool. So, um... But now you can't ignore it after tonight's talk because you'll, you'll be primed for noticing and then using the, the reminders as, as practice pointers. So, um, so I want to suggest that we celebrate and embrace and rejoice in Saint Meta Day um, as, uh, as a day of, of practicing and... and um, exercising universal loving-kindness, goodwill, and friendliness um, for all beings instead of just one romantic partner. Um, and and um, 
giving a nod for for those who have a negative attitude towards it. Um, you know, it it idea of love is is wonderful and amazing, and sometimes in the West it could be held as a a conditional. You know, I, I have to buy you this and that, and in order for you to at least not to be angry with me, but. Um, all of that aside, let's just embrace it as a day of goodwill, as a way to to, to feel goodwill for all beings without without any expectations. Uh, having goodwill for everyone, even if they don't return it, even if don't they don't like you, just having that goodwill anyway, um, even if you're not related to them. So, so what is metta? What is loving kindness? Um, I love this this little poem by Rumi. It goes, A pearl goes up for auction. No one has enough. So the pearl buys itself. The beautiful um, paragraph by Sharon Salzberg, Love exists in itself, not relying on owning or being owned. Like the pearl, love can only buy itself because love is not a matter of currency or exchange. No one has enough to buy it, but everyone has enough to cultivate it. Metta reunites us with what it means to be alive and unbound. I love that, what it means to be alive and unbound. So. Metta is, is a sense of goodwill. It's not manufactured. It's not forced. You can't say, oh, I'm going to have metta for you. It's just a sense of goodwill that, that we all have is available to all of us. Um, every person has it, and, and we basically tap into it and cultivate it. We don't create it. It's basically a birthright for, for all of us human beings. In um, in Buddhism, particularly, um, it's a very core teaching. It's an attitude of recognizing that all beings are capable of feeling bad and good, and if they have the chance, just like you, they would prefer to be happy. They would prefer not to suffer. So it's recognizing that that common humanity, just recognizing that that shared solidarity with others of a common aspiration for fulfillment of happiness and not suffering. Metta is also related to empathy, the willingness to see the world from another person's point of view. And it's just the soft friendliness of being considerate, kind, generous, not in a manufactured way, but in an authentic, simple way, just tapping to what's available in your heart already and just recognizing it, and we all have that. And metta could be thought of more as an attitude and not just a feeling, an attitude of friendliness, both to ourselves and to others. It's also the basis for compassion in these practices. So when our loving kindness, when our metta comes in contact with another person's suffering, 
it turns into compassion. And it's also the basis for vicarious joy or mudita. That is, when our metta comes across another person's good fortune, it becomes sympathetic joy as we become so happy for them. So the basic metta, the basic goodwill, can be transformed either into compassion or into vicarious joy, depending on what the object that it comes across is in the other person. So, okay, well, sounds good. So why should you care? Why should we care? So I'm going to take a different slant now um, at this. And it's, it's an evolutionary and, and sort of scientific way of looking at it. So, so our human minds are, are like Teflon for positive experiences. And they're like Velcro for negative experiences. So have you noticed when, for example, let's say you have a great day, everything is going great, you don't notice all the amazing things that are going on, but one thing goes wrong, and you notice it, and you're like, you ruminate about it, but on and on and on. Anybody? Yeah, of course. This is the human condition. Yeah. So, so um, it takes... Get, okay, guess, guess how many... Okay, so say, so say you have a negative experience with someone. Someone really, really upsets you. On average, how many positive experiences do you think it takes to wash that away. Any guesses? One? Is it one to one? No takers? We've got six. We've got ten. We've got... Any other numbers? Throw them out. Eleven. (laughs) We've got some pessimists here, but maybe realists. Okay, it's actually... It turns out to be five. I don't know how they found exactly this number, but... But, okay, we'll settle at five. But still, five is quite a bit, right? You, You make someone upset... You have to be, you know, it, it, it takes five positive exchanges for them to, okay, think like, okay, this person is not so awful after all, to trust you again. So th- that's quite a negative bias that we have in our brain. So you would ask, okay, why is that? Why are our shared common humanity, we have, have such a negative bias? Well, let's think about it evolutionarily. So, so when our ancestors long, long ago... We're walking on the Sahara, uh, trying to, to look for hunt and maybe gather berries and, and stay away from the, the mammoths. Um, if they missed a berry, there would be another berry tomorrow, right? So the positive experiences, if they didn't catch them, it's okay. But if they'd missed a threat, they would be they would be gone. They would be killed by, by various predators. So they would not ling- live long enough to become an ancestor. They would not have passed down their genes if they are not on guard for all kinds of negative experiences. So that means that our, the ancestors who lived long enough to pass on their genes, that is us being the, bi-pro- the, being, being the product, we all have a negative bias that we're looking for negative, you know, negative sen- stimuli and sensations and negative things and positive. Oh, okay, they come and go. Does that sound familiar? Well, it should because this is our common, common humanity, our shared, um, shared humanity. Um, 
so, so another way to actually think about this is, is um, if you've noticed with positive emotions, do you notice when you feel a positive emotion, it's sort of diffuse in your body, and it sort of goes quickly when you're happy, you sort of feel happiness diffusely. But when you're upset or if somebody, say, say, angers you, how intensely you feel the, the sensations and the emotions, the negative is much stronger than the positive, both felt in the body and also in terms of what we pick up. So the reason why I say this is that's why we should all care about metta because it's a way for us to, to tilt the evolutionary scale slightly to be neutral, maybe even positive if we manage to, because we're already so much in the negative area just, just, by, just by being a human. So what comes to our aid is, is neural plasticity. And, and neuroscience is, is finding more and more that um, your brain can profoundly change as you practice. Um, and there have been many, many studies on meditation recently. I was actually checking um, uh, 10 years ago, maybe there were five publications on PubMed, and last year there were over 300 publications on mindfulness alone in PubMed. So there have been a lot more um, studies on this. So the, many studies are finding that um, you can profoundly change your your brain. And I would like to read actually a little something by um, Daniel Goldman. Are people familiar with Daniel Goldman? Emotional intelligence, yeah. So he wrote this piece in a New York Times uh, in 2009. <clears throat> Sitting quietly doing something is the title. Um, so the paragraph I want to read is about Mingi Rinpoche, who is um, identified as the happiest man, one of the happiest men alive. And this is the uh, label he got when he went through um, Richie Davidson's lab. And um, basically the activation on his brain was off the charts. Um, so let me read this paragraph. Mingyu Rinpoche was not born into wealth or comfort. He spent his earliest years in a remote Himalayan village, lacking even the most basic amenities. Nor was he a lucky winner in the genetic lottery for moods. In his book, he recounts being extremely anxious as a child in Nepal, having had what a Manhattan psychiatrist would likely diagnose as panic attacks and how he cured himself of this chronic anxiety by making his fears the focus of his meditation. He has had to earn his good cheer. Another paragraph. Richard Davidson, who heads the Laboratory for Effective Neuroscience at the University of Wisconsin, has found one distinct brain profile for happiness. As Davidson's laboratory has reported, when we are in distress, the brain shows high activation levels in the right prefrontal area and the amygdala. But when we are in an upbeat mood, the right side quiets and the left prefrontal area steers. When showing this brain pattern, people report feeling, as Davidson put it to me, positively engaged, goal-directed, enthusiastic, 
and energetic. And then later in the article, they talk about, um, of course, the various monks who were tested have uh, tens of thousands of hours of practice. But as as we know, they're both from our own practice and also from the various studies of people, beginning meditators, uh, can also see this difference. So I wanted to read just one line about that also, um, about them run, actually having run MBSR for eight weeks. Um, so Davidson's measures shows that after eight weeks, they had begun to activate that left prefrontal zone more strongly, and were saying that instead of feeling overwhelmed and hassled, they were enjoying their work. Imagine that. Um, so while the Calvinist strain in American culture may look uh, askance at someone sitting quietly in meditation, this kind of doing nothing seems to do something remarkable after all. So take that to your workplace. <laughs> you can find it online. So, so that's, why, that's why we should care, because we can change our brain through neuroplasticity, and this is one of the amazing practices that actually does that. So why we should care in the Buddhist sense, um, there's a list of 11 benefits of metta. And in case you have forgotten them or have never heard them, let me tell you what they are. Number one, you will sleep easily. Doesn't that sound great? You will wake easily. You will have pleasant dreams. So the first three have to do with sleep. And actually I talked with a sleep researcher at UC Berkeley a year or so ago, and she was planning on doing some, um, some studies on loving kindness and, and sleep. I don't know what happened with that. But anyway, continuing the list. Number four, people will love you. Devas, gods or angels and animals would love you. Devas would protect you, will protect you. This next one, I, I wouldn't recommend actually trying out, but external dangers such as poisons, weapons, and fire will not harm you. So you can try that, but I, <laughs> maybe not. Your face will be radiant. And actually, this one, this one reminds me of my, of my grandmother, actually. She just had natural metta for everyone she met, and everybody called her grandma. Even, even neighbors called her grandma. She was grandma to everyone, and she, and she had this radiant face. She was always happy. Um, number nine, your mind will be serene. Number 10, you will die unconfused. And number 11, you will be reborn in happy realms. So the last two have to do with death and passing on. So... Um, this list of 11, that was, the, the, that was from um, Anguttara Nikaya. So that was Buddhist terminology. And if I translate that again to science, I'm going to read you the title of a few papers, science papers, on loving-kindness. Loving-kindness meditation for chronic low back pain results from a pilot trial. Okay, sounds a little different, but it's, this is sort of the Western religion language. Um, loving-kindness meditation increases social connectedness. Loving-kindness meditation to enhance recovery from negative symptoms of schizophrenia. These are cool studies. Differential effects of mindful breathing, progressive muscle relaxation, and loving-kindness meditation on decentering and negative reactions to negative thoughts. Open hearts build lives. Positive emotions 
induced through loving-kindness meditation, build consequential personal resources. So all of these are available. So the question is, okay, how, how do we go about cultivation? Um, it's not supposed to be coerced or forced. It's not a sense of fabricating feelings. It's, it's basically about tapping into the feelings that, that, that exist. And the metta practice can also be a discovery practice of discovering what comes up. It can be a purification practice because a lot of times you practice metta and instead of loving kindness and good feelings for yourself or others, the opposite might come up. Uh, and in that case, it becomes a purification practice to actually work with what's coming up. It becomes insight practice. It can also be practiced as a concentration practice for jhanas. Um, can be practiced formally with a set of phrases. Um, and actually, next week, um, we'll talk more about that. Next week, I'll be talking about metta. But right now, what I would like to do is actually move into an interactive exercise. Um, what I found with actually um, trying a, an interactive exercise with metta is, is a wonderful way to tap into the feeling, and actually talking about it, interacting with other people is a wonderful way to do that. So um, I'm going to suggest this, um, this playful partner exercise, do it playfully. Um, I invite you to try it on for size. Um, and uh, so in order to get started, close your eyes and take a deep breath into your body and think about someone that you care about, someone about whom you just have warm feelings. It's an uncomplicated relationship. Um, Think about them and it just warms your heart. Maybe you smile. Children are often great targets. Pets are good, just, or, or people, of course. Um, just someone that you care about. Okay. Now, if you have your person, open your eyes. Okay. Anybody not have a person yet? Okay. All right, so so this is going to be a partner exercise with one other person, and you don't have to tell them who this person is. So I invite you to find a partner, um, ideally someone you don't know and you didn't come with here tonight, just, just so that there's some interaction you talk with a new person. Tonight. It, w- it would be nice for this exercise. So please move around amongst yourself and introduce yourself and then I'll give you the rest of the instructions. Mm. Okay. Everybody has a partner? Okay, so so let's let's start. Okay, so um, let's start with the person who has longer hair goes first. 
Okay. The person who has longer hair is the person who's going to start. Okay. So, so just to make it easy. All right. So, okay. So this is going to be... This is, this is, I, th- I think some people are having a tough time deciding whose hair is longer. Okay. <laughs> Have we settled that yet? Is, is, okay, settled. Okay, awesome. Great. Okay, cool. So, <clears throat> so this is going to be in the format of a repeating question. And the way it works is this. Person A is going to ask the question, and the question is going to be, what do you like about them? And person B is going to answer it. And then pers- person A again is going to say, thank you, and will repeat the same question. What do you like about them? So let's demonstrate. Maureen, let's demonstrate. <clears throat> so ask me, what do you like about them? Um, she has a huge heart. She's very loving. What do you like and about thank them? Thank you. Thank you is important to receive oh, it. Thank you. What do you like about them? Um, she's very reliable. Thank you. What do you like about them? She is my best friend. Thank you. What do you like about them? Thank you. So that's how it works. So, so you're going to keep hearing the same question over and over and over again. And, and this is actually a well-established practice, contemplative practice, that helps you go m- much more deeply than you imagine you could go, especially because it's interactive and it's with another human being. Um, so the question repeats and repeats and repeats, and at some point you want to say, well, I already gave you an answer, but, but please try to come up with another answer and just see. Just what goes first, the question or the answer? I mean, who is first? What are the answers or the questions? Sorry? Who goes Oh, so... So person, person A who has the longer hair is going to be answering first. The long hair is going to answer first, so the other person is going to ask. And don't forget the thank you. It's part of the, the, uh, the setup. So, um, oh, so, so don't start yet. Don't start yet. So it's going to go for about uh, 90 seconds. So uh, f- please, first person, please start. Oh, another question? Do you have another question? Hold on. What do you like about them? What do you like about them? This person. This person that you thought about. This person that you have the kind feelings for. So, so are there any other questions? Okay, let's start. Please start.
Okay. All right. I invite you to bring that to a close and just open, just close your eyes where you're sitting, just where you're sitting. Close your eyes for a moment. Take a deep breath and just observe the sensations in your body if you were talking or listening. Vibrations, feelings, also thoughts in your mind. What's coming up for you? Just observe in a mindful way. And now open your eyes. And now please reverse and go for 90 seconds. I invite you to bring that to a close. Now close your eyes again. Close your eyes where you're sitting. Take a deep breath and just observe what's going on in your mind. Thoughts. Oh, that was interesting. Oh, that was funny. Oh, that was lovely to hear. Oh, that was fun to say. Oh, that was strange. Whatever. Whatever the thoughts are. Just observe. And what's the feeling in your body? Just tapping into... What, what feels different now compared to before you started this exercise? Just tapping into that. And now open your eyes. Spend a minute or two talking with your partner about what that was like to do this exercise. Yes where you're sitting, getting to a meditative position where you're sitting, closing your eyes, take a deep breath, and bring to mind the image of your favorite being, the person that you were discussing or thinking about earlier. Bring a felt sense of this person, this being into your mind's eye, visualizing them, how they move, how they are, seeing how you feel, tapping into the feeling that comes up for you. 
tapping into the feeling of goodwill you have for them, the good wishes you have for this person in your life that you care about, and wishing them well. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be safe. Just wishing them well. May they be free from suffering. May they have joy and ease in their life. May they be safe. May they be happy. Just tapping into the goodwill you already have for this person. Not manufacturing, just feeling it naturally. It comes up. And now bring to mind your partner's favorite being. You may not even know what this person is, who this person is, but they sound pretty wonderful. And they're a human being or they're a being just like you, just like your favorite being. And they deserve to be happy and safe and free from suffering. See if you can direct your goodwill towards your partner's favorite person that they have so much affection for and they feel so highly about, so fondly about. May this person be happy. May this this being be safe. Now hold an image of your partner in your mind's eye. Just like you, there was someone in their life that they really care about. They have a caring and loving heart, just like you. They're a human being just like you. They want to be happy. They want their loved ones to be happy and safe. Wish your partner well. May this person be well. May this person be free from suffering. May they be safe. May they be healthy. May they know joy in their heart. Now notice that your partner is wishing you well right now. Directing those good wishes towards yourself if it feels comfortable and holding yourself with the same kindness and gentleness and affection that you've held others. May I hold myself with kindness. May I be happy. May I be healthy and strong. May I be safe from inner and outer harm. May I know joy in my heart. May I be free from stress and anxiety. May my life flow with ease. If that doesn't feel right, maybe say, may I open to the possibility of holding myself with kindness.
So that's the end of the exercise. And now I would love to hear from you as to how that was. Anybody wants to make a comment about how that was? Questions? Yeah, please. I noticed for myself in doing... Excuse me. Now, now, now we're out of the partner discussion. Now, now we're going to do... Hello. We're out of the partner discussion phase now. We're going to do group discussion now. Okay, great. Please. I noticed for myself in doing the exercise that... Um, there is a lot of vulnerability involved. Um, and observing these qualities in others, observing the, appreci- the appreciation of this quality in others, and then observing these qualities in myself. And um, winter tends to be a more challenging time. There's less sun that's out. Um, I know for myself, I have a lot of root chakra issues that have been coming up over the last month. And so to hear qualities um, appreciated of someone else that I see in myself, is it's a little uncomfortable. And mm-hmm. then there's just a feeling of, wow, mm-hmm. this is appreciated, this is loved. Mm-hmm. Also saying what I appreciated about the person who I was thinking of, mm. it took um, I, it took courage, mm. and then also seeing the fear involved of how am I attached to this person, and why does the fear of losing them come up? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was just it was very interesting. Mm. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And I especially appreciate you talking about, you having the courage to talk about the vulnerability that came up during this exercise. Because it can be vulnerable tapping into those uh, feelings. And also, um, you talked about the sense of fear that came up when you tapped into the, the, the uh, goodwill that you have, the love you have for this person. And that's why metta can also be a purification practice when things that you do not expect come up, fear of loss or, or issues you've had 10 years ago, maybe you had a fight or something, things come up. So yeah, it's, it's a part of that, and thanks for bringing that up. Thank you. Mm. Other comments, questions? Any observations? Was it interesting? Was it difficult? Yeah. This this practice is metta practice, is that correct? Yes, yes. And And this is actually interactive metta, the one that we did. So so using the interaction to tap into that. Now, it appears to me that this could work for someone whom is not the best person in your life, maybe, maybe perhaps even the person who's your nemesis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, because even nemesis have 
very positive things about them. So what happened when that occurs? Yeah. So great question, great comment. Um, so we start the practice usually with a person. Actually, traditionally, the practice um, goes through circles. You expand it through circles. And the first person you wish well for is yourself. And then your benefactor, someone you care about, a dear friend. And then a neutral person. And then your nemesis, but actually we call them difficult people, we don't call them enemies in the West. <laughs> so, a difficult person, and then you expand it to all beings. So this is actually, the metta practice is done, is, is expanded. Um, it's easiest to start with someone who's, who's easiest for you. And also in the West, instead of starting with oneself, we usually start with someone else, that, that um, a, a dear friend, because it... Um, Experientially, it's easier for people to feel the goodwill for a dear friend and then expand it from there. But it, this practice definitely works for a nemesis as well. I mean, a difficult person, yeah. And how would it work for children? How to work with children? How would this practice work for children? You mean children practicing or, or thinking about a child? If the, children, the child himself began to practice metta. Oh, is it if a child was practicing metta? Um, so it um, depends on how young, depends on the age of the child, how young the child is. Um, and I think there are some uh, strategies developed uh, by Susan Greenland Kaiser to teach these practices to very young children. And with teens, it's about the same. But if you're interested, I would refer you to, to look up her work. You're welcome. Uh, other questions or comments? We still have a few minutes. Yeah. It was very pleasant being in the room while this was going on. It, the room was bubbly. There was all this, these, these little words and these little happy crescendos of, of voices and stuff like that. It was just really nice to be around. I think that you could have told that something really happy was going on in the room, even if you didn't know. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for that observation. Just observing the same thing also. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, with that, I'd like to move on to the closing thoughts. So, so what I found experientially actually doing this, this interactive practice is a really nice way to tap into the feeling of metta, especially when you interact with another person and, and talk about the person that you care about. So now, now you know the basic practice of metta is just basically wishing well for anyone, your nemesis, your difficult person, anyone. So, so with that, I'm going to invite you that for the next week, Anytime you see a Valentine's Day ad or card or anything, um, take it as an invitation or as a reminder to wish well for whomever you want. So you get to choose. It could be your favorite person. It could be yourself. It could be the people around you. Say if you're at the supermarket checkout line and you see a Valentine's Day card, Feel free to wish well for all the people around. They're human beings just like you, and they want to be happy. So wish them well. May they be happy. 
um, you may choose to wish the person in the advertisement, say you see an advertisement on, on TV for a restaurant or something and two very happy couple are eating, wish, wish the actors were. They're, well, they're probably starving actors in reality somewhere. <laughs> wish them well. They're human beings just like you. They want to be happy. Um, so, and you can also wish well for all beings, just, just tapping into the, the sense of goodwill. So... Um, if you want to up the ante for the next week, because you're going to have a lot of reminders in various places, is to do a random act of kindness, if you're moved to. And science, and well, practice and science shows that one way to, to be happy yourself is, is be kind to others, do an act of kindness to others. That, that The level of joy that that gives you could be even higher than... than and the joy that gives others. So, so I invite you to, to try these practices. Um, so one was when you see a Valentine's Day something or other, wish well for whoever you choose. And the other one, if you want to up the ante, is to do a random act of kindness. So with that, um, and I'll be here next week as well. So if any of you want to actually experiment with that and come back and say how that went, that would be great to hear. It would be wonderful to hear some reports and make it more lively. Um, so with that, any other questions before we close? Any comments? It was all crystal clear. You're very fantastic. My job is done. Okay. So with that, I invite you to... to yeah. It's, it's been an honor to be part of your first talk here. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. You're very kind. Thank you. Hmm. Um, with that, let's close our eyes for just a moment uh, or two of, of closing meditation. Take a deep breath. <sighs> Coming into your body. And see if there is one thing that you have experience tonight, either in the exercise, maybe something experiential that happened for you, a realization. Maybe you feel like running home and calling this beloved person to tell them how much you care about them. Or something you heard, a piece of information that's, that's of value to you and you would like to carry forward, perhaps share it over dinner or lunch with a friend, colleague, loved one, or maybe journal about. See if there is something, a nugget from tonight you can either take with yourself to share with others or reflect on, continue to reflect on. Now I invite you to wish well for yourself, offering appreciation for you to have come out, to have tried out these creative exercises tonight, hanging in there, offering yourself appreciation. You have my appreciation. Offering yourself loving kindness, holding yourself with care, and expanding that circle to the people sitting 
around you in this room. May everyone in this room, may everyone be well, be free from suffering. May they know joy and ease and happiness. May their life flow with ease. May they be healthy and safe. Let's expand that good wish further and further to include all beings in the world, especially beings who are in difficult situations, in places that are not safe, in places of war, hunger, famine. May they be safe. May they know comfort and ease in their heart and body. May they know joy. May all beings be happy. May all be beings be free from suffering. Thank you for your attention.